Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome back to episode 44 of Apply Filters. Today, we have a guest on us. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things around the WordPress world, including some recent updates and news. But first... This episode is sponsored by DreamHost and their new managed WordPress hosting platform, DreamPress 2. I wanted to learn more about DreamPress 2, so I reached out to someone over at DreamHost who you may be already familiar with. I'm Mike Schroeder, and I'm the WordPress platform lead at DreamHost, and I work both on developing products for or around WordPress like DreamPress, and they also donate about half of my time to work on WordPress core and other related community projects. I asked Mike about DreamPress 2 and how it's different than other managed WordPress hosting platforms. One thing that makes it a little bit different is that we give you two separate virtual machines that just belong to you, both the web VPS and also MySQL VPS. And that web VPS will automatically scale its resources for the RAM utilization needs that you have. So hang on, so there's a web VPS and what's the other one? MySQL. Yeah, there's a separate VPS just for your just for your uh, MySQL. Wow. And it has, well, you know, MySQL MySQL grade hardware that's specifically for that's engineered to work well with MySQL, and that goes along as a companion to your web VPS. So those resources aren't shared between those two. And they're not shared with any other customers or anything. They're your VPSs. That's correct. And you get a set of those. You get a set of those for each of your sites. Oh wow! For each site. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So if you add two domains, you have four VPSs. So there you have it, folks. You get two dedicated VPSs for each site on DreamPress 2. For more information, check out dreamhost.com slash applyfilters. Now back to our show. All right, let's jump in and let's go ahead and talk to our guest. Today we have Jonathan Christopher, a pretty well-known figure in the WordPress world, joining us. Jonathan? Why don't you say hi and tell us a little bit about yourself. How's it going, guys? My name is Jonathan Christopher, as Pippin referenced, and my primary focus in the WordPress world kind of spans a long time now, but my core focus is on kind of two companies I'm running, one of which is Iron to Iron, which is a client services company that focuses on building custom sites for medium to large businesses, and that involves kind of everything from project inquiry all the the way to launch. Um, and that's run by myself and my business partner, Kevin Richardson. And we've been doing that since uh, 2010. And my other efforts go towards a search plugin for WordPress called SearchWP that is going to be about three years old now this summer. Wow, really? Yeah. I would have just, I would have said that you're just celebrating like your first year anniversary or something. Yeah, it, it was uh, kind of low key for a while there because it, it was my first venture into a product that I kind of stuck with. So it's it came out in, uh, or actually, was it? Uh, it might, actually, I'm going to take that back. It's two years coming up this summer, so uh, I'm, I'm losing track of time on it myself, but uh, it, it did go by quick. But I, I've kind of really uh, taken it easy because I'm learning a lot about what is involved in kind of running a commercial product. As it goes with developers, I underestimated just about everything that has to do with it. So it's um it, it's been going well, but I'm I'm really taking my time with it because I, I rush into things from time to time and I get really over ambitious about things. And I'm a husband and a dad, so I I, I want to make sure that I don't kind of get into that zone of freaking out about everything. So it's kind of a for under the radar for probably the first year or so while I kind of worked out a lot of stuff that needed to get worked out. Right. Well, cool. I uh, definitely have some more questions for you about Search WP. It's it's a really awesome product. Uh, I've been using it for a while now, and I really like it. Thanks. Why don't we step back first, though, and let's go back into some of your own your history. Sure. Uh, when did you start getting interested in development? Is this something? That if is it is it a recent? Is this the last couple of years? Have been a lo- long time? Early high school? Before that? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, my origins for getting into development go all the way back, honestly, to the days of Prodigy, which was before AOL. It was kind of like the the first dial-up service for the, for the internet. And I, I vividly recall hopping on there and just being kind of blown away about what I was looking at. I didn't know what I was looking at, but it just seemed something had me really interested in it. And over time, AOL came out and everybody got on AOL. And I got really into the wares scene on AOL. So like, I got 
my, my first endeavors into, into writing code were uh, what were called hunters or other things like that, where you basically just flood people with instant messages. And if your dial-up connection was faster than theirs, you could theoretically kick them off AOL. And I thought that was the <laughs> coolest thing in the world. So, so that, it, it, that, that kept on uh, kind of nagging at me. And I, I was really getting into it. It was all visual basics. So I was really stumbling my way through it, self-taught and everything. But it, it opened my eyes to kind of building software to, to do things and even take advantage of writing software that works with other software, which is really weird to say, just like writing programs that just kind of use and utilize other programs. So in the case, I was writing Visual Basic programs to work with AOL, like literally clicking buttons and things like that. And that really just fascinated me. And that that grew into some sort of way to want to talk about how I was working on these things. And that grew into realizing there's more of the internet than chat rooms and like AOL keywords. There's the web itself, which didn't take off as fast as AOL itself did, but I eventually found my way into that, which opened my eyes to working with HTML. And this was like pre-CSS time. So I started like tinkering around with building websites. I ended up taking the the only class in my high school that was offered in, in HTML, but all the entire year, I already knew all of the curriculum for the entire year. So I was just kind of working on my own projects during that class time. That kind of grew in further. And I, I at the time, I for some reason, I didn't realize that you could like have a job building websites. I didn't think that was a thing. For some reason, that never occurred to me. So I eventually realized that I had to have some sort of career path. So I naturally kind of just lent myself to IT because I kind of like networking. I didn't think that uh, for some reason, I don't know why it didn't occur to me that you could get a job writing code. So I ended up uh, starting my college career with uh, going for an, an IT uh, degree, but quickly realized that I did not like the the detail, the intricacies of kind of building a network and what that looks like. It's interesting to me, but it's kind of over my head and not something I wanted to keep up on. Uh, so I eventually transferred to a different school and got into a degree program that was titled uh, Information Science and Policy. And that had to do a lot with um, language processing because half of my, the, the, kid, the students in my class were going to be software developers, but the other half were going to be li- librarians. So a lot of the classes had to do with linguistics and uh, data mining more or less and how you organize data and how that relates to language. And it, w- it was really interesting to me which kind of got me uh, even more interested in that. And through that, I got a placement at a local library organization where I just kind of worked on their website, which is where I got exposed to CSS and actually working on kind of a team based working on a website. And from there, I got a job at an agency and stayed there for, for about five years. And that's where I really got hooked on, you know, building websites and building them for clients specifically. I, I, I spent a lot of time kind of evaluating what it looks like to work with clients and why certain relationships go really well and some go really bad and how to kind of avoid those bad ones and focus on the good ones. That eventually led into me uh, getting exposed to WordPress at that company and kind of the rest is history. I was instantly in in love with WordPress. At at that company, we had our own CMS that was really honestly ahead of its time and it opened my eyes to content management in general. And I thought WordPress kind of aligned with those ideals kind of, sort of, and this was pre like custom post types. And I I saw all these things that the internal CMS would do that WordPress couldn't. So that got me into thinking, oh man, WordPress has awesome plugin architecture. How can I make it do what we're doing in the CMS that's proving to be too hard to maintain internally? I kind of want to get this company to move to WordPress because there's a lot of smart people working on it and we don't have time to work on this internal system. So that got me into plugin development. And I've written a number of plugins since then. Um, My early ones were absolutely terrible, but it, it really exposed the, the community of WordPress, which got me in even even more. And I started writing my website, mondaybynoon.com, about what I was learning, whether it be front end or WordPress or what, what have you. And that just got exposed, that exposed me to the community of kind of web designers, developers, and, and WordPress particularly. And I've just been hooked ever since. And it, it's it's every every year I look back on what I did a year ago and it embarrasses me, which is awesome because it shows that I'm, I'm still working on some stuff. So... I've got a long way to go, but I've kind of, I've been tinkering around for a while now too. Right. Awesome. When did you, I find that your stuff is very well designed, which is not a given with programmers. Sure. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you have, do you have a background in design or like, when did you get interested in design? Is it? I've always, I would call myself kind of a wannabe designer. I've always designed my own sites. I designed my own plugin UIs and things like that. 
I think uh, I'll try and remain humble when I say that I think I can put my mind in in the mindset of clients who are going to use the software I'm writing, especially the UIs. I don't think my, my front end design is anything to appreciate that much. I mean, it gets the job done, but I really like the problem solving aspect of making a, an interface uh, easy to use and kind of uh, uh, not confusing because as we've all seen, uh, we know what a bad interface looks like, and that really limits the success and, and usability of so much. It, it prevents projects from growing really well. I think it's one of the reasons WordPress has done so well is because, and, and a lot of people will argue with this, but I think the UI is fantastic. Uh, I think given the the kind of the, the platform it provides, it's a lot better than what else is out there, especially given how old it is. I mean, it's been adapting to the crazy stuff we've seen built in WordPress for, for years now. And I think that's just a testament to, you know, good thought and kind of sticking to basics when it comes to the UI of, of WordPress itself. So I guess it's not something that I actively pursue. My partner at Iron to Iron, he's uh, one of the best designers I've ever seen. So I, I, I pick up on stuff that he's doing in a way, but we collaborate as well a lot. And so I'm, I'm learning from him constantly. And, and I, I would venture to say that he's learning from me too, because we bounce a lot of ideas off each other and, and say, is this confusing? Are we just kind of doing this for the sake of being different? Or is this just too clever for its own good? Uh, and and I, I think the underlying approach to it is just keep it as simple as possible, um, which I, 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 I like that about WordPress, too, because uh, Nason's come out a number of times and he said, you know, make decisions, not options. And that really hit home with me. I like to stick with that as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think you I like that you say all of that and then definitely stick to it within your own interface. Like Search WP, I think, is a great example of a plugin that illustrates that mentality. In sure. Its- yeah, that, w- that was one of the first things. And, and honestly, with Search WP, it, it's weird. Uh, some of the plugins I've written, and Search WP is one of them, I actually started sketching the UI before I even knew how the heck I was going to build anything else. It just kind of started with, if if I had a sweet search plugin, how would I want to configure it because or to match the, the features it has? And the big deal there was, you know, having fine-grained control over post types and what I, I call content types, but essentially what that means is like title versus um, the main content versus an excerpt or, or, or a taxonomy or anything like that. How can I make it not uh, punch in your face too many fields at one time? So that might be part of it too, where I kind of, I, I balance the idea of actually writing code versus kind of what it's going to look like at the, at the end of the day. And I think a lot of people might say that is not the wisest way to go about it, because as a result, your code might not be as clean and organized as it could be if you planned it that way from the beginning. But again, I, I put a lot of value on the user experience of actually using, for example, a setting screen. So I think that's a, that's a big deal of it, sure. I think you're a rare developer in that you have a not only an appreciation for design, but you also have an eye for good design as well, both in, in code and, and interfaces. It, it's definitely true that the way that, that a code base is laid out and organized that has a very strong sense of design as well. And both your UIs and everything that you design into the plugin and on the website and in your code all share a nice cohesive design. And that's very cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. And as I kind of alluding to earlier, Search WP is kind of the best that has gotten. And I've had to resist the urge a couple of times over the past couple of years to, you know, <laughs> we all have a tendency to just scrap everything and rewrite it because there's so much we would have done different. But I've taken cues from uh, especially you, Pippin, about how important backwards compatibility is and use that as a challenge. And so, uh, and another thing that I heard from Nason said at one point, like, it, the, the code might not be beautiful, but if it's working, you, it might not necessarily be worth the effort to refactor it just because it could be written better. So I've kind of taken that, both of those things to give me the freedom to iterate on things and not not really wipe things off the table and just start from scratch because that's in a way avoiding a challenge that I'm going to hit for the rest of my life. So I need to know how to better iterate on things versus kind of wipe it clean and just start from scratch. So uh, I think small, small iterations is one of the, the most valuable lessons a developer can learn on a big project. So like anytime there's a big project and you decide there's a feature that isn't good enough or wasn't designed well from the start, you have two ways of going about it. You can either rebuild the entire thing from scratch or, or a big chunk of it from scratch, or you can slowly improve on it over time. And I think anybody that has taken the route of wiping it clean and starting over, unless you're maybe lucky or exceptionally good, have probably discovered that iter- iterating is significantly easier. Well, easier in a way, but has a much better end result. You have, far, you have far fewer problems, you have less backwards compatibility issues, 
And you can do little chunks at a time instead of committing to this giant, giant rewrite. Yeah, it doesn't feel overwhelming. Uh, And it's nerve-wracking, especially when you're deploying these massive change sets to paying customers. You don't want to mess with their life. You know what I mean? So those updates where you just cross your fingers and say, oh, yeah, nothing goes wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So what lessons do you feel that you've learned? You mentioned that that you've been learning a lot with with launching search WP and, and, and you're selling it as a commercial mm-hmm. product. So what are the things that you've learned from, from that experience so far? Well, I guess primarily would be most of the, most of the lessons learned are actually having to do with support um, because it's a, it's a different, and, and this kind of ties into my client work. I, a lot of the stuff I've done and put out there for WordPress has been thanks to um, doing client work, number one, and then now working with paying customers because they think in so many different ways and there are so many preconceived notions based on past experience, whether it be with a plugin or a past developer. And I think my mind has been opened in a lot of ways to to think about potential changes or implementations in that regard. And the biggest thing to take home for me was just continuing to do things the WordPress way all the more. What SearchWP does is not, I don't know that I consider it typical of your average WordPress plugin because essentially it's kind of tinkering with a core operation in that it replaces native WordPress or native WordPress search results with what I guess I would consider better ones uh, for a number of reasons. But with that comes kind of how you do that and how it interplays with other code that's out there. So meeting developer expectations was huge. I think the first version of SearchWP was lacking hooks at all, which was kind of a showstopper because immediately people were wanting to do custom things, you know, kind of how do I do this? How do I do that? And so I started putting hooks in there. And then I started building extensions using those hooks and then realizing that with a good uh, hook system in place, you can make, you can do things that you wouldn't have even thought of before to do, but you can have it kind of in its own container and just utilizing hooks to, to make all that happen. So I guess kind of trying to think of it ahead and, and trying to think about how other developers are going to want to work with the code has been a huge learning curve for me. I think that's a really, really, really important mindset that Anybody that's listening, if there's one takeaway so far, listen to that. As sure. from a development perspective, that has, I I will share the same experience in that like discovering how important um, trying to think about how other developers or other plugins want to interact with yours is is huge mm-hmm. for I mean for for compatibility for extensibility for huge numbers of reasons like just trying to anticipate what people are going to do. If you can get yourself in that mindset, man, you're going to be, you can get yourself in a good place. Exactly. And, and it sets yourself up to, I think at the, at the end of the day, make your code that much more generalized, which I would wager, I'd go on record saying that that in the long run is a good thing as opposed to the other way around being, and you don't have to kind of rewrite things to make it more generalized. I think that if you go in expecting this array of, of post types to be filtered, for example, you're going, that's going to kind of get your mind thinking about, okay, what else happens if this is now this post type I didn't expect to be there? How can I make this code more adaptive and more useful in that case? Yeah, absolutely. But I guess like, I guess my question would be like, how, if you're just developing a new plugin, I mean, how do you even anticipate where these hooks are going to go? I don't feel Mm. like you should go crazy adding hooks everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> it can get you in trouble too. Yeah, exactly. Um, get you we in got trouble. in trouble in, with EDD a couple of times because we provided a hook, honestly, where turns out we shouldn't have provided a hook because people used it. <laughs> and then the ways that people used it made it so that we couldn't change it. Uh, and that's hard, but it, I think it's just, that's something you just learn from experience too. Exactly. So but, yeah, most of mine have, were in reactions to uh, support requests or feature requests or something like that. And, and you know, you've got to take all of those with a grain of salt because in the beginning, when I was first getting customers, they were asking, oh, can it do this? Or um, it doesn't work with this plugin. So I was like getting ready to write these code changes in core that, you know, cover this edge case in a plugin instead of saying, no, add this to your functions.php and it'll handle it from here on out. I was very quick to, to, to make impulse changes to the code. And there's only like, there's, there's maybe one of those that's still there. And I just keep it there for that pretty much that one person. But I think it's important to resist that urge to just 
make a change to, to your code just to appease a customer. Um, well, when it might be for better if you have a little discretion with implementing feature requests as well. Absolutely. If you just go in putting in every feature that's requested, you're going to one, run out of time, and two, suddenly realize that you have this beast of a plugin that has morphed into something you had never imagined. Exactly. Right. In terms of... Uh, you mentioned reacting to support and, and, and adjusting your plugin based on support. I remember one of the things I was really impressed by in SearchWP was that it detected a potential incompatibility. Oh, yeah. It, was that a result of, of customer support complaints and stuff? Or how did that it, come about? It was, yeah. Because when I, in my earlier first few months of having the plugin out, there was, um, what I what I assume to be an issue with two plugins using the same hook at once, and a lot of plugins. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but a, a few of them using it in such a way that interfered with the way Search WP worked. So I was just inundated with uh, these support requests saying, you know, search results don't seem to be changing. I'm not sure what's going on. So one of the ways I would try to debug that was see what other code in their install was using these same hooks that I was, these kind of pivotal. There's there's just one, it's just pre-get posts. And that lets you basically swap out anything that gets returned by WP query. And there were other plugins that were doing that and trying to track that down was really a pain. So I, I yeah, I, I put out this message that would call out these specific usages and say, you know, this isn't necessarily a conflict, but it might be, you might want to check it out. But if, you might notice that in subsequent releases, I've turned that feature off because the number, I, I would say 95% of them were false positives. And I wanted so, to ask about that. Yeah. So I, I just got, then I was getting inundated with ticket requests saying, there's this error message showing up. And, <laughs> and literally it was like, you know, caps, italics, bold saying, this is only oh my God, what conflict. Do I do? Yeah. So we had the exact same experience with EDD. Yeah. Uh, so everything that runs on the front end, like adding to cart, processing the checkout, et cetera, runs via Ajax mm. uh, and runs through admin Ajax.php. Gotcha. Well, um, as you guys are both probably aware, every now and then you get a conflict where somebody has a security plugin that blocks admin Ajax or they have HT access rules or something in there that prevents it from working. So we implemented a check that attempted to detect if admin Ajax was open and could work. Mm. And if it, and if we detected that it, it failed, we showed an error message that says, hey, it appears that Ajax isn't working. This is not necessarily a problem. Here's documentation about it. If everything works, dismiss this message and don't worry about it. Yep. The number of support requests we got from people just freaking out, thinking everything is broken, Ajax doesn't work, my store doesn't work, when in reality, everything worked fine was crazy. Exactly. We we thought it was a great idea. We turned, <laughs> we turned it off, right? Yep. I guess if you, I guess you gotta get, yeah, like you said, if 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 it's overwhelming majority of false positives, then I guess it's not very effective, <laughs> right? Uh, I guess that's one of those ones where if you you really have to try and figure out a way to maybe make it like eighty percent accurate, and if you can do that, then I think it's great. But if you get those false positives, it just people react off the cuff too frequently. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the other, the, I did um, filter detection, but also did, uh, so, so a very common issue that happened for about the first year of support was these themes out there that would have redundant either calls to query posts or new WP queries on the search results template for various reasons. But essentially the theme developer didn't understand that by the time you hit search.php, the search is already run. The, the the posts are already there. You don't need to run an, uh, a redundant search query. Um, but normally, what they would do is is do that so they could get like the total number of posts returned because they didn't realize you know that's already available in WP Query. <laughs> they were just kind of doing it again. But essentially, what that would do is wipe out anything any results Search WP found. So the other check I have in place is that it actually checks the search w, search.php template for any calls to WP query or query, query posts. Query posts and yeah. there, there are some, some false positives because sometimes they'll go through the main loop and then want to loop out, I don't know, some other posts for some reason. So um, that is in there as well, but the chances of that being a false positive are, are greatly reduced because the, the, the need for firing query posts or new WP query on search WP or search, uh, search.php is so rare. So that one's been super helpful. Uh, I even call that out when you open a support ticket because I know chances are that's going to be a solution to your ticket if you've blatantly ignored the warning at the top of the screen, which happens to date as well. Right. Well, very cool. Um, 
One more question about SearchWP uh, before we jump into some of the, the recent projects that Brad, myself, and you have been working on, and mm -hmm. then on to WordPress 4.3. Um, is Do you think SearchWP is going to become a full-time project, or will it remain as a very active side project? That is a question I've been wrestling with for a long time. Uh, I really love what we're doing at Iron to Iron. I love doing client work, and I know a lot of people would never utter those words, but I, <laughs> I, I attribute so much of the side projects I have and the plugins I've written and the articles I've written to client work. Uh, it's such an inspiration. Yeah, of course, it gets frustrating from time to time, but I love working with Kevin. I think that um, not a lot of pairs of designers and developers can do what we do. So I, I can't see that going anywhere anytime soon. So I've kind of struck a balance with being comfortable with not going all in on SearchWP and putting all my eggs in that basket. I, I like where it is now. Um, it's growing, which I want it to do, of course, but I it would it's almost one of those things where you'd have to pry iron to iron out of my cold dead fingers in a way because I really I I do I love it. I've got there there's seasons where you know I, a project may kind of become overly stressful or something like that, but once we're on the next one and it's new people, it's it's a new project, new challenges. Kevin's doing an awesome new design and I'm, I really want to build that thing out and I want to see clients use the WP admin as I've set it up for them because they've never seen anything like it before. And uh, I, I, that is really kind of uh, heartwarming to me and it's got a very special place. So I honestly, I don't see client work going anywhere and I kind of like moonlighting with SearchWP. Um, it's, it's getting the job done. It's really, it's, it's scratching my own itch because I use it on all our client projects and I, I think it's helping a lot of developers. It's it's something that I've wanted to build for like three years. It's Never a great plugin to have around. And I'll I'll tell you at least from from my perspective, you have competition, but in the plugin world, I don't think anyone's touched it. Yeah. So um, the competition is a different. Is it's an interesting topic. Um, I mean, there's of course the big names that have been around forever, which are doing great things. But there's all sorts of new, exciting things happening with search, like hosted Elasticsearch, and then companies like WP Engine kind of making it a bolt-on to your, your hosting service. So I'm really anxious to see where Search goes as far as WordPress is concerned. But I think Search WP has something special because, the, the, honestly, the main thing I built it for was having multiple search engines so you can kind of have your, your default search engine, but also one just for your doc section, for instance. That was a huge feature, but also, like, we're using custom fields more than ever before. And being able to weight those on an individual basis per post type I don't really see that happening to a great degree with things like Elasticsearch, at least not yet. I mean, I'm fascinated with Elasticsearch. It's so killer. It does a lot of things that we're, that SearchWP can't do. But I think there's always going to be that place for SearchWP because there's a barrier to entry to Elasticsearch without question. So I, I'd like to really just niche into that and see where it, where, where it goes, I guess. That's interesting. Oh, cool. It's interesting that you, you said that it's rare to hear that people like client work. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I agree. It is rare, but I've, I have heard it from one other person, uh, which you wouldn't expect because he's very successful as well. Dan Cedarholm, who is behind dribble.com, right? He still does client work <laughs> despite mm -hmm. the success of dribble and his other ventures. I mean, he's an author. I would not have expected that. Yeah. He, yeah, he, that he, he draws a lot of inspiration from client work, just as you said. And so, you know, you're not alone out there. There are others. <laughs> That's good. There, there is something I will say that I miss from client work and that is being able to work on highly specialized projects or very focused projects where I don't have to worry about how what I'm building interacts with everyone else's code in the world. Absolutely. And that is a very cool freedom that we don't have in the product space. Yeah, that yeah. is that is refreshing. That is a refreshing. Yeah. And but I, I I also agree with the the inspiration thing because you run with client work, you're working on so many different kind of scenarios compared to when you're doing a product, right? Um, mm. and, and and you can identify opportunities, I find doing client work you know you run into a problem here's an example uh jonathan you have a plugin called hierarchy right mm -hmm. i'm just gonna take a wild guess and that came from clients not being able to find their freaking pages well it, it kind of <laughs> in a way yeah but it goes back to kind of what i was talking about earlier and i just didn't like the way the wp admin presented managing content to um to clients it, it felt very abstracted to me where you're 
because the way I use custom post types is I kind of nest them under pages. Uh, so example there for that I kind of go to is having a FAQ post type, but that that's probably going to be on an FAQ page or or maybe even an, uh, an about page or something like that. And and going in editing the about page in one place and the FAQ in another place that's like a main entry in the sidebar that was very very weird for me. So I thought it'd be better for my clients to have some sort of better view of kind of their website as a whole. One of my overarching goals with, with client sites is to make the admin mimic the front end as much as possible. And that was a very blatant kind of disconnect for me. So that, it, it, it's kind of partially both. I just felt awkward presenting the, the, the finished site to a client and just explaining it. Uh, that part was awkward enough where I wanted to build this thing to, to make that process easier. Right. But if you had been focused on a product and not dealing mm-hmm. with clients ever, you probably never would have bothered with that, that problem. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yep. For sure. All right. Cool. Pippin. Let's uh, dive in quickly uh, before we run out of time. Brad, you've got a couple of things that you've been working on recently. Uh, give us an update. Yeah, sure. The Amazon S3 and CloudFront plugin is, has been released, uh, the free version. We've released it, and uh, so which means that the pro version is coming soon, right? Because we, we do that staggered release thing. And the free version that we just put out is uh, has been renamed to WP Offload S3 uh, as well. Uh, I think we already talked about why I did. I had to do that. Yep, uh, a few episodes back. Yeah, and then uh, I've been updating some of the screencasts and getting serious about solving the database merge problem that people keep coming to us with. So that's the problem where they, you know, they have a live site that's changing, and their local, the local database that they've been working on has changed, and they need to mash them together somehow. And so we get we're getting serious about solving that problem. It's a doozy. So it's, uh, it's been already many hours, and I feel like I've just spun my wheels the entire time. So well, when you when you solve that problem, let the world know because that would be awesome. Definitely. I, yeah, that's what we're that's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good to have a good to have a, a global domination. Goal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, in the last uh, just a. Last week, we started playing with something interesting, and I'd love to hear you guys' if you've ever tried this with customer support. We have been we decided yesterday or day before to turn on live chat for EDD support, and just as kind of an experiment to see how it works. So we, we just put the live chat on the website, and then if anybody has a question, they can pop in and, and, and ask at any time without opening a ticket. Either of you guys ever experimented with a live chat? No, not really. No, me neither. I don't know Man. that I have the volume to justify it yet. It is nuts. <laughs> it is. It's. Uh, it's actually pretty intense. Um, we ha- so we turn it on and we get enough traffic to the site that if you ha- if you're signed into the chat portal as like as an agent, you have chats coming at you constantly, and it's it's kind of cool. But it's also a little. It's a little overwhelming as well. Mm. We originally turned it on with kind of the idea that. We have it there. We could answer a few pre-sales here and there while working on other support tickets or development stuff or whatever we're doing at the same time, kind of multitasking. Nope, not even remotely the, the case. <laughs> if if you are in live chat, you are in live chat 100%. Wow. Which kind of caught me off guard. But mm. we, so we're just, we decided to experiment with it, and we're, gonna, we're using it for two weeks. Okay. And then we'll see how it goes. Are you using Olark for that or something else? No, we're using one called Snap Engage. Okay. Uh, it integrates directly with Help Scout, so we can turn a chat into a ticket anytime we want. Um, oh, cool. And if if we're not online when somebody opens a chat, it can send them to Help Scout automatically. What I what I want to do is use it for two weeks and then look at our data and say, okay, did we resolve tickets faster? Did we have fewer tickets? Did we have more sales from this? And see if we can make a data-driven decision on using it. Oh, I um, see. So you're doing support and sales right now. Well, a little bit of both. Original plan was just just for pre-sales, um, but there are some some actual support tickets coming through it as well. Though we're trying to anytime that somebody does ask a ticket, unless we can solve it in a minute or two, we just say, "Hey, let's go ahead and turn this into a ticket. We'll create a ticket for you and get back to you." Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting Which to see well, how it goes. But, but. Yeah, it's an interesting experiment. Hmm. So 
Uh, outside of that, I also just pushed out an update for Restrict Content Pro uh, yesterday, uh, version 2.2 uh, that I'm kind of excited about because it added direct integration with WooCommerce to uh, restrict the purchasing as well as viewing of a product to paid subscribers, which is really designed around the idea of if you want to run a club membership site, which I did, I would not have assumed before is actually a pretty common request in, in e-commerce, <laughs> not just as a, hey, let's have someone purchase a membership and then download everything for free, but let's have someone purchase a membership in order to be able to purchase products. Hmm. I didn't know that that was a really common thing and it actually is. So we pushed that update out and kind of excited to see where it goes. Neat. Beyond that, that's, that's pretty much my last two weeks. Cool. Jonathan, do you have anything that you've been working on recently that you'd like to share either search WP or iron iron? Yeah. Search WP 2.6 just came out and it's got something in there that I've been had, I've had in my mind for a while. 10up has this plugin that ties in, kind of does what SearchWP does, but except it does it for Elasticsearch. And one of the things that really stuck out to me that they did was their their whole goal was to support WP query arguments. And uh, I was kind of tossing that around in my head a little bit and realized that SearchWP is a little different because it has to have a custom argument at least for which search engine you want to use. So after thinking about it a little bit, I decided to just kind of build my own class that was designed to mimic WP Query just because developers are so used to it. It's super handy and it would offload a lot of the, compl- the, the complex implementations of hooks that would be required to do certain things like uh, meta queries or tax queries uh, and, and things like that. So uh, 2.6 comes with a class SWP Query, which supports a number of the same uh, parameters that WP Query does, and it should make life a, a little better for a lot of developers, I would think, because the code is that much more clean, and you can really do complex things, like I was saying, like meta queries and tax queries and date queries and all that neat stuff, and it will just kind of utilize Search WP to, to make all that happen. So I'm really excited about that, and also this time, like we were talking about iterating, um, I'd always been uh, dissatisfied with uh, parts of the UI for SearchWP. So 2.6 kind of reworks that a little bit. It it changes the way the setting screens are built and how the extensions tie in a little bit. So uh, that one's not as blatant as SWP query as far as usable things for developers, but I'm excited about the, the code being that much more clean. Cool. Very cool. It looks like an awesome class, the SWP query. Oh, I have, a, I have a question. Super helpful. I have a question about SearchWP. Uh, we're... Yeah. we're um, we're going to add re- like related posts to the mm-hmm. bottom of our blog posts on our site. And I was thinking maybe I could do that with search WP. Is that, is, have you seen that before or am I going to have to do this from scratch? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is on my extension wish list. Um, I, I want to build an extension that will help you find, um, find the best related posts. Uh, but I've, I've been having, I've, I've been rolling in around in my head the, the logic to actually do that because SearchWP has an index of all your content, but um, I, I'm struggling to nail down how it should determine what search terms to use to find those related posts. So many of the, the related post plugins out there, you can kind of weight the tags or the, the any taxonomy or something like that. Um, that feels a little arbitrary to me. I'd like it to be kind of automagic because that's kind of how search WP works. So I'm thinking of ways to kind of evaluate the index to find the, the unique words uh, in, in uh, a post that you're kind of want to find related posts for. So for instance, um, if you write a post about some sort of so, sort of topic, it will actually query the index to find out which words are the most unique to this post and use those as the terms. Uh, but I haven't fleshed that out yet. It's really just a, a sketch on paper for now. So hmm. uh, unfortunately, that's on you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, what if you could like just input the the search terms what like in the back end when you're that's an idea and then and then it would give you a list of like the the related posts that it picked out and then you just kind say, of just defined your keywords yeah yeah that's a good idea too or and, and uh, nine times out of ten the title itself will work well for that right um but yeah i'd love to get something out there because you're right it, it's kind of a, a good platform for that it could work really well but there was the, there's this uh, really killer related posts plugin that came out recently that seems to be working really awesome. So I kind of backburnered the extension idea for a little while there, but I, I should get back on that. Yeah. The- you know, Brad, you could do that pretty easily by just you registering your meta field, adding your keywords, and then just dropping a SWP query 
into your template with your keywords. Yep, exactly. That would do it. Exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> sure. That'd be cool. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Um, yep. That that you mentioned the the related post plugin, yeah, I, I've been looking at that a little bit, and it just seems is that, like is that Barry's or, or a different one? Uh, I'm not sure who who did it. Um, I think it's like relatedposts.com or something like relatedpostplugin.com or something. Yeah, that that's Barry's. That's Barry's. Okay, that's it, it looks it looks amazing, right? Yeah. Um, it just it doesn't make sense to me to have that and search LVP. You're, they're basically both creating an an index. It just seems <laughs> yep. redundant, you know. So sure. Anyways, should we move on to cool. WordPress four point three beta one? Yeah. Cool. So let's see. Beta one got released just a couple of days ago. Have either of you guys played with it yet? I haven't. I've just read kind of the, the breakdown of, of what's been added. I'm I'm, ex I'm pretty psyched about a couple of things, actually, to be honest with you. Cool. What excites you about it? First things first is that it obliterated a plugin that I'd written, which I love. I love when something I, I've written kind of gets absorbed into core, even if I didn't contribute directly. But the, the whole thing about creating a new user and having it, instead of emailing them the password, it will email them a password reset link, yes. which I think is genius. I love that idea. A lot of effort went into password stuff, but I'd written a plugin <clears throat> that would do that. That would do that. Uh, specifically, the need came up with SearchWP because... Um, I needed to create manual purchases for, for some reason. And, and as a result, I needed to create user accounts. And I didn't love the idea of, of either manually resetting their... I started out by just kind of manually triggering a password reset for them once I created the user account. Uh, but I wrote this plugin that was just a checkbox that said, you know, email them a password reset link when I create the user. Um, but now that it's rolled into core... Uh, that's even better. Uh, I, I love that part about it. That's funny Definitely. because I actually built this too. <laughs> we, Did you? <laughs> we, we have this uh, as part of our site right now. Like, so um, our checkout used to ask for a password. And I was like, well, that's just another thing they have to do in a checkout that they might abandon checkout for, right? So mm. we got rid of the uh, the the password fields and and just we just email them a reset link and for them Perfect. to define their password after the purchase. Yeah. So basically, the, smart. the same kind of thing, right? Yep, does exactly. EDD uh, do that? Does it ask for a password when on checkout? It does if you create a user account, and which uh, is determined by whether or not you make your your store require user accounts. Right. So maybe so you can control that. That is that's a cool feature that I had never actually considered doing. Yeah, I, I think it's just kind of ingrained in systems for us that if you create a user account, you specify a password. But right. Brad, you're absolutely right that there's no reason you couldn't just auto generate one and then send them a reset. Yep, exactly. And, and make checkout easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, smart. I'm really happy with the for, the password updates in 4.3 because along with not emailing the passwords to users, it's also given us the ability to generate a password for a user account and not know what it is uh, and generate a strong one just with a button that says generate password, mm. which is fantastic. Uh, and I believe that was carried across onto the, the add new user screen, the edit user screen, and possibly even the brand new install screen for a brand new WordPress install for the first oh, admin cool. account. But this is one that's very close and dear to me because I didn't actually work on this implementation, but I did a lot of work kind of proposing this this change originally. There's a great plugin by Jake Goldman from TinUp, basically that added this feature. And I've been using it now for probably two years. And since I had several sites that were very user account heavy, like I had to reset passwords all the time. And so seeing this in core and not having to worry about it in a plugin anymore is is excellent. Mm. And maybe we can get away from the admin slash one, two, three, four accounts that we see in customer support <laughs> all the time. Exactly. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, what else is new? So we've got menus in the customizer. Um, maybe we should not touch on this. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> They're there, uh, whether you like it or not. Oh, is that a point of I, contention? Is this is there some? Oh, brother, man, you have not been paying any attention for the last. Four I need months. your focus, Brad. I, I need your focus. I, I try. I try not to pay attention. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of people are really unhappy about menus being put in the customizer. Um, I I had mixed feelings on it. I will say that the first time I saw them in the customizer, when testing a beta, it actually didn't even occur to me what I was seeing because it just kind of worked. Hmm. So it's fine. I think the implementation is nice. I think it's smooth. If you don't like it, well, go improve somewhere else. Go improve something else. Use Squarespace. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't mean it that way. I mean more like, look, if you've got things that you really don't like, 
put your effort into improving it. Put your effort into either improving what you don't like about the implementation or put your effort into helping in another area. Don't just bitch and moan. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's all I'll say there. Uh, let's see, what else? There is another improvement that I really, really like. Improvements to the editor. Uh, are either of you guys a fan of Markdown? I was just going to bring this part up. I love it. Whoa. Sweet. Cool. We, we, well, we use uh, Mark Jaquist's Markdown plugin already. Yeah. So, so you, you see what I'm talking about, this change. So uh, what it is, is it actually the, the WordPress text editor now automatically detects certain text patterns. So if you're familiar with Markdown, you know that you can use asterisks, hyphens, and greater than symbols for a few formatting things like unordered list, ordered list, block quotes, uh, headers, etc. Well, these can now, which all come from Markdown, but they can now be used in the normal visual editor to automatically format your content. So if you want to make an unordered list, just put a hyphen between each before each line and WordPress will convert it for you. I think that's awesome. Mm. This, yeah, it's killer. Sounds like it's going to get... What if you don't want it to convert? <laughs> um, Let's see. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. And and is this like? Does this have full Markdown support? Like, is it like? Is it going to work with images? And I think it's just partial support. I don't know. Yeah, um, just a few select things. It looks like. Okay. Yeah, looking at the track ticket, uh, I think it's just. Oh, here we go. They actually have a. They have. They've updated. Uh, when you're in the editor, you can actually click on the keyboard shortcuts to open a, a modal window, and it will tell you the, the shortcuts available. And it, they, they're listing them all there. And it looks like it's headers, block quotes, and lists. Hmm. So anyway, I think it's a super cool enhancement. And I'm sure there's going to be cases where people don't want it. And so we'll probably have a plugin that will disable it, uh, which is cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, between this and the, the recent change where you can kind of highlight text, and when you paste a link onto it, it turns it into a link. That really uh, makes... I did the, not the, know about that. Yeah, if you highlight text and you have a, a URL on your clipboard and you paste it on that highlighted text, it'll automatically make it a link. Ooh, that's, that's awesome. That is so nice. bet- between these, the, these changes and that, I mean, uh, media integration is really sweet because you can now drag, right? You don't have to like click add media. You can drag right on TinyMCE yeah. and drop it wherever the cursor is. I, I love I was using that this morning. It's awesome. Yeah, I love Jayquist's uh, plugin as well, but this is really neat too. Uh, it's kind of a, a hybrid between the two. It's almost best of both worlds. So I'm really anxious to see how it plays out. Yeah, definitely. There are two other changes that I think we should mention here before we wrap up. The first is list tables are now much more responsive and better for small screens. Uh, and this isn't just core WordPress list tables. This is also all list tables in plugins. So if you have built a list table that's using the WP list table class, or if you have built a list table by hand, I think as long as you follow the correct HTML and the, and the proper classes, it will automatically get truncated down to just one column on a mobile view within a, an option to expand it, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice. I worked on um, that a little bit with... Uh... Did you? Yeah, with Helen awesome. and Ryan Bourne. I was just kind of back and forth with them a little bit. But yeah. I really like the change. I, it was it was tough. Like, it's a tough thing to do, right? To get... Yeah. Because you can't have all the information on the, on a phone, you know? Like, it just, it's just right. too much. Well, and then there's, a, there's another issue. Um, and this goes into a, a developer change that's pretty important to know about. If you build custom list tables, is like what you were just saying. How do you know what to show? What do you, how do you define, how do you know what the primary column is? Just because you have 10 columns doesn't just mean you can show the first one. Right. Yep. How do you do that? So what they've done is they've actually uh, created a way to specify a primary column and whatever the primary column is, is what will be shown on a small screen. Um, huh. And then I, I helped out on this one a little bit. Um, mostly Helen pinged me just to have, just to test it because I've done a lot of list tables and a lot of different plugins. Mm-hmm. But what do you do if you don't have a primary column specified? And the answer was basically, let's just take the first table, the first column that is not a checkbox. Right. Um, but it's good to know because if you have a plugin that uses list tables, you can now go specify a primary column if it's not the first one. Nice. Cool. Which is definitely a good thing to do. Let's see, and there was one other change, uh, or well, several other changes. The big one being taxonomy stuff that we mentioned in the last few episodes, so we don't need to cover that. But um, Singular.php, 
Brad, you want to tell us about this one? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of remember. I just from I, I read the I get the emails from like the Make blog, and I remember seeing this one. It was something to do with custom post types, right? Um, right. It's like I think if it's so any custom post type will fall through to this new template, right? Singular.php um, on the for the single page for the any, single post page. That I don't remember if it's every single post type or every post type that is defined as hierarchical. Oh, so maybe I misunderstood. So, well, it's so it's anything. So there's uh, we have the the helper functions is single is singular and like is page, uh, and so is singular is for uh, detecting hierarchical post types as primarily. I mean, which is most p custom post types, because I think um, I think the hierarchy uh, is enabled by default. Uh, but basically, anything that will return true for singular for is singular will now land on a template called singular.php. Okay. Hmm. But then the fallback being single.php and page PHP. So it's just another one more piece added to the template stack. Yeah. Which. Uh, I know a lot of people were very, very happy for. I think the, the main reason that a lot of people were thrilled with the change is for consistency's sake, because now um, our our template functions that we have, like is, sing is single, is singular, is page, is taxonomy, is term, et cetera, those now all follow the same function. So we have a function for each template, or sorry, we have a template for each function. Yeah. There's a one-to-one -one correlation now. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good way. I'm glad you explained that to me because I was kind of like, I don't know what this is for. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I could be wrong. So if, if anybody has a strong opinion on singular.php going in, good or bad, uh, and you disagree with, with that, uh, I'd love to hear about it. But that was my understanding of it. Cool. Should we wrap it up? Cool. Yeah, I think that's about it. Jonathan, thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, you guys are a uh, big influence on me, and I, I'm, it's honestly an honor to be here. So, uh, yeah, keep keep doing this podcast. I'm here we could help. One of my favorites. You, uh, real quick, tell people where they can find you, how to get in touch. Sure, yeah. Uh, Twitter is at jchristopher. I'm trying to publish on mondaybynoon.com as much as possible. Searchrevp.com and irontoiron.com are pretty much keeping me busy. Yeah, I bet. Fantastic. All right. Thanks, All right. everybody. Thanks for coming on, and enjoy your days, everyone.